Hi everyone, Joe here, and I want to take a moment up top to thank everyone who has listened to Still Unknown so far. And I want to let you know that I have another podcast that I co-host with a dear friend of mine, Allison, and it's called Joey and Allison Mental Health Warriors. In it, we discuss, you guessed it, mental health. Allison and I are not shy about our own struggles with our mental health, and our purpose for doing the podcast is to let those who listen know that they're not alone. Now, I will say that the two of us are not experts, but we're two people just like you who want to make a safe space where we can be open and talk about our struggles. You can listen to Joey and Allison Mental Health Warriors wherever you listen to Still Unknown. We hope to hear from you and above all, wish you happy mental health. Hi, we're Eliza, Allison, and Carlin, and we're the hosts of Resolved Mysteries Podcast. Our podcast follows the 80s and 90s television show Unsolved Mysteries, hosted by Robert Stack. We have a love for true crime and the unsolved. If you don't remember Unsolved Mysteries, we forgive you, but you don't have to know to get into our show. If you like true crime stuff, ghost stuff, alien stuff, or just stories about weird shit like Bigfoot, this is your podcast. The stories we cover range from totally ridiculous to truly heartbreaking. We do detailed research on all of the segments that Unsolved Mysteries aired, then drink some wine and give you the latest updates on every case. We talk about stories that will leave you laughing, crying, and occasionally outraged. Resolve Mysteries podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite pods. Join us and perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. Taylor Robinson was a 19-year-old from Akron, Ohio, who worked as a home health care aide and was taking college courses to become a nurse. On the evening of Friday, May 2nd, 2013, her mother Carmilla dropped Taylor off at the home where Taylor worked with plans to pick her up the following morning. When her mother returned the following morning, Taylor was not there. She became a missing person when she also didn't show up to work her second job at a clothing store that same day. Police found Taylor's shoes and coat still inside the home where she worked, but there were no signs of a struggle. Her friends and family spent the next four months doing everything they could to find Taylor or any information on what happened to her. Then on September 10th, her remains were found in an isolated area in a nearby national park. Her death was ruled a homicide. Seven years later, it is still unknown who is responsible for her death. This is episode 7 of the Still Unknown podcast, The Murder of Taylor Robinson.
Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Still Unknown podcast, a podcast about unsolved murders, disappearances, and the unexplained. My name is Joe Schwartz and I am the host of this podcast. And in this episode, like in the very first episode of this podcast, I will be talking about another unsolved case from my hometown of Akron, Ohio, the unsolved murder of Taylor Robinson in 2013. This is a case that was recently mentioned again in the local newspaper, the Akron Beacon Journal. Investigators are trying to renew interest in this case, along with the case I covered in Episode 1, the 1979 double murder of Ricky Beard and Mary Leonard. And I figured since interest was picking back up in this case, I would do what I could to help get the word out there in hopes of this case being solved. So, without any further ado, let's dive into the case of the unsolved murder of Taylor Robinson. Taylor Robinson was born on January 28, 1994, in Akron, Ohio, where she spent her entire life. In a comment on her obituary on Legacy.com, a former middle school teacher described Taylor as very quiet, but having a wonderful spirit. While attending high school, she volunteered as an office worker and was very active in sports, playing on the volleyball, softball, and track teams, as well as lettering two years in a row in football. She also studied early childhood development, which placed her on-site at the Akron Summit Community Actions Head Start program, which was housed in the same church in which she attended. She loved animals and was a proud owner of a long-haired chihuahua, which she named Ryder, due to his habit of traveling everywhere with her. She also loved shopping, movies, and the color purple. Taylor was also described as an intelligent and driven woman, and when she graduated high school in 2012, she went on to attend classes at Kent State University's Star Campus while working two jobs as well. One job was as a sales associate at Bon Wurst Closing Store, located inside Chapel Hill Mall. Her second job was as a home health aide with Hands of Care LTD. It was that second job that set her up working inside the home of a 24-year-old disabled woman while the woman's mother worked an overnight job. On Friday night, May 2nd, 2013, Taylor's mother Carmilla dropped her off at the home at around 10 p.m. with plans to return at 7 the following morning to pick her up. Cell phone records show that Taylor had received a two-minute phone call later that Friday night from her ex-boyfriend, which her relationship with him had recently ended. Then at 5 a.m., a text was sent from her phone that appeared to vaguely be asking for a favor from a friend. That text was never returned. It would be the last activity on Taylor's phone, which would be shut off for good at around 7.30 a.m. When Carmilla arrived back at the home at 7 a.m., she was surprised to learn that her daughter was gone. The mother of the woman that Taylor was caring for had returned home a short time earlier and said that the doors were locked when she arrived and that Taylor's shoes and coat were still in the kitchen of the home, but Taylor herself was nowhere to be found. 
Taylor was also scheduled to work that Saturday at the clothing store, and when she didn't show up for that shift, everyone knew something was wrong and a missing persons report was immediately made. Police investigated inside the home and found no signs of a struggle. It appeared as if Taylor was just there one minute and gone the next. Friends and family spent the weekend canvassing the neighborhood and passing out flyers in hopes of finding Taylor. Her stepfather, Jeff Rucker, said, quote, For this to be like happening, I don't want to think like that, that I'm losing a child or whatever. Hopefully something happens where she pops up or I get a phone call or something. But until then, I can't just sit around and do nothing, end quote. Jeff had already experienced another another tragedy seven years prior when his 17-year-old son was shot and killed. He couldn't stand to think about that happening now to his stepdaughter. By Monday, there were no new leads in the investigation, and the FBI agreed to help with the case. And it was on that very Monday that 40 miles north of Akron, in Cleveland, a major story broke. On May 6, 2013, a young woman by the name of Amanda Berry, who had gone missing a decade prior and with the help of neighbor Charles Ramsey, escaped the home of Ariel Castro, where she had been held captive all those years with two other young women, Michelle Knight and Gina DeJesus. Carmelo Robinson had been fielding calls regarding her daughter's disappearance all day that day and first heard about the story of the girls in Cleveland when she saw the news that night. While she was happy for the families of the three girls, she was still praying for the safe return of her own daughter. She said, quote, I don't care if it's five days, five months, five years, or 50 years. I'll be right here waiting. I have hope. I'll always have hope, end quote. On Saturday, May 18th, a rally was held at nearby Summit Lake Community Center in which over 200 people attended. Standing at the podium with Carmilla and Jeff were several local ministers, as well as then-mayor of Akron, Don Plasquelic. When addressing the crowd, Carmilla said, quote, You all are my hopes. You all are just the light. I know she's going to come home. I'm just asking for you all, please don't forget, in a month if she don't make it tomorrow. I'm not asking you all to spend every waking moment. I'm just asking you, please, don't forget she's not at home with us, end quote. Jeff then addressed the crowd saying, quote, We never thought this would happen in our household, but this could happen to anybody. You just never know. No matter how much you pray for it, no matter how much you talk to your kids, anything can happen. End quote. Minister Michael Starks urged the crowd to help, saying that Taylor's disappearance was a community issue and not just the issue of her family. Quote, we have a family here that's in disarray and they're grieving, but they need more than our prayers. They need our action. End quote. Mayor Plisquelic addressed the crowd saying the case needed a quote unquote Charles Ramsey like moment where someone in the community sees something and takes action. He says, quote, Taylor is our daughter in a way, 
and specifically for her mother, we all hope we can make this turn out to be a great news story when we welcome back Miss Robinson, end quote. Three months later, on August 26th, a police dog led investigators to a wooded area south of Vernon Odom Boulevard in West Akron. But after several hours, the search was called off. The dog had caught a scent in the area of the Spring Hill Terrace Apartments. It was attracted to a spot where some dirt was disturbed and a pair of pants and a bedsheet were located. No bones and no body were found, however, and police speculate the items might have belonged to a homeless person living in the woods. Taylor's family and friends still continued to have hope that she would be found and come home. But more than four months after Taylor disappeared, on September 10, 2013, a grim discovery was made in an isolated area off of a hiking trail in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Hey guys, my name is Miles, and I am so excited to tell you about my true crime podcast, Forensic Miles. My co-host and I investigate the cases covered in every episode of Forensic Files. You've seen the show, you know the crime, but is there more to the story? Let's find out. Check us out on Instagram at Forensic Miles, Miles with a Y, or listen on Spotify or Anchor. See you there. On September 10th, 2013, two men were exiting a hiking trail into a wooded area nearby a small picnic area in the Cuyahoga Valley National Park when they found a human jawbone. Other human remains and some clothing were found in the area as well. There was immediate thoughts that they were the remains of Taylor Robinson. Police contacted Taylor's mother, Carmilla, and her stepfather, Jeff Rucker, to inform them about the discovery, although it was obviously too early to determine if they were indeed Taylor's remains. Jeff went to the site of the, of the discovery, saying, quote, I got tired of sitting around the house. It's just pretty hectic waiting around, end quote. The very next day, dental records confirmed that the remains found were in fact those of Taylor Robinson. Police were sure her death was a homicide, although to this day, it's never been determined exactly how Taylor died. In beginning their investigation into Taylor's death, police sought to interview those closest to her, in particular the ex-boyfriend that she had the two-minute phone call with the night she was last seen, as well as the current boyfriend at the time of her disappearance. The ex-boyfriend had gotten a lawyer and it's unclear what statement he gave to police or if he had even done so. The current boyfriend initially cooperated with police, but eventually retained a lawyer himself, at which point he no longer answered any of their questions. It's also said that the current boyfriend had agreed to take a polygraph exam, but struggled during it, while the ex-boyfriend refused the polygraph. Now, I don't believe I've ever stated my thoughts on taking a polygraph exam, but while it can look suspicious to refuse one, lawyers will always advise you to refuse to one, even if you have no involvement in the case. 
Polygraphs are known to be unreliable and are not submissible in court. They can't even be mentioned in any way in court, so much so that there have been cases where a detective interviewed on the witness stand happens to mention that the defendant failed a polygraph exam, and the judge immediately would have to declare a mistrial because it would prejudice the jury. So, in other words, I put no real stock into the fact that the ex-boyfriend refused to take it or that the new boyfriend struggled during his. Now, a retired Akron police detective turned private investigator named Tim Dimoff reached out to Carmilla to help in the investigation. He took a payment of only $1 just to make the hiring official, and he's still working the case today refusing to stop until the case is solved. He says, quote, We've got a mom with an open wound. Until she finds out who did this to her daughter, there will never be closure. I want to get her to that finish line. End quote. Dimoff believes Taylor knew her murderer, saying, our pro- quote, Our profile of the crime scene, our understanding of the facts, in the interviews that we conducted with the person involved, we feel very strongly is someone who has a pre who had a previous relationship with her. This was a crime that was not committed by a stranger. End quote. Dimoff also believes that at least two people would have had to have been involved in order to move Taylor's body. Carmilla Robinson, now Carmilla Rucker, after marrying Jeff in the years since Taylor's death prays every day that she will soon get answers for who is responsible, repeatedly saying that she only cares about the who and not the why, saying, quote, I'm just ready to know who did it. The why isn't important. Just the who is more important at this time. I just want to know who did it and say to them, what gave you the right to take her life as if their life was more important than hers, end quote. There is a $7,000 reward being offered in this case. If you have any information on the murder of Taylor Robinson, please contact the Akron Police Department at 330-375-2490. Again, you can contact the Akron Police Department at 330-375-2490. Nine zero, or you can contact Summit County Crime Stoppers at three three zero four three four COPS. Again, that number is three three zero four three four two six seven seven. That is the Summit County Crime Stoppers, or you can text T I P S C O to two seven four. 637 to remain anonymous. If you have your own thoughts on this case and want to share them with me, you can email me at stillunknownpodcast at gmail.com. You can connect with me on Instagram at stillunknownpodcast, on Twitter at stillunknownpod. And the platform I use to record this podcast, Anchor, has a feature in which you can leave me a voice message. And there is a link to do so in the show notes. There are also links in the show notes to the sources where I got all of my info for this episode if you want to read more into the case yourself. 
If you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a rating and review to help this podcast gain more exposure, as well as tell anyone you feel would enjoy this podcast. I'm doing something new now where for every five-star rating and review I get on Apple Podcasts, if you leave your name and where you're from in the review, I will give you a shout-out on the podcast. And I may or may not have gotten that idea from the Going West podcast. I also want to thank everyone who has stuck with me the last few weeks. Uh, I know it's a little out of schedule with this episode release. I usually release every other Monday. And uh, I know this is a Thursday release. But uh, these past couple of weeks, life got a little in the way and... I didn't have the episode ready in time, so uh, I appreciate everyone sticking with me and continuing to listen, and I am planning my next episode release for Monday, March 23rd, and I hope from that point on I will be back on the regular bi-weekly schedule of releasing every other Monday, so... Uh, At the beginning of this podcast, I played a promo for one of my favorite podcasts called Resolve Mysteries, which uh, features three wonderful ladies, uh, Carlin, Eliza, and Allison. Uh, They did me a solid by playing a promo from my podcast on their podcast, and I thank them very much for it. So definitely check them out if you are, like me, a huge Unsolved Mysteries fan. If you grew up with that show or if you're just discovering that show now with its release on Amazon Prime and on YouTube, uh, definitely check them out. Uh, They recap every episode and they include fantastic updates that aren't included in the original Unsolved Mysteries episode, and they're just a lot of fun to listen to, and I can't recommend them enough, and I'm very appreciative of them for playing a promo for my podcast on their podcast, and I am going to also close this episode with a promo for another podcast that is one of the biggest influences in the way I do my podcast here. It is called The Trail Went Cold. It is hosted by Robin Warder. And I highly recommend that podcast as well if you enjoy this podcast here. So stay tuned for a promo for The Trail Went Cold. And thank you everyone for listening. And I will be back Monday, March 23rd with a brand new episode of The Still Unknown Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Robin Warder, host of the true crime podcast, The Trail Went Cold. If you grew up watching the classic television show Unsolved Mysteries, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I profile a new unsolved murder or missing persons case and share all the baffling details. Afterward, I provide my own personal analysis and theories about what might have happened. 
This is a show for true crime buffs who are fascinated by cold cases and love to discuss them and pick them apart in an attempt to figure out the truth. So be sure to check out our podcast to learn about some truly bizarre unsolved mysteries where the trail went cold. Thank you.